Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Hey, welcome to episode 83. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. So guys, we're doing Christmas movies. Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, Merry listeners. Christmas. Today is Christmas. That's right. So uh, kind of our annual Christmas episode. Last year we, we talked about that uh pop culture phenomenon that is the Christmas TV special, starting with Charlie Brown. Oh, yeah. Still got to watch them. Yeah. Let's talk about Christmas movies. Yeah, we didn't talk about any of those last time. We just... Yep, we didn't do movies at all. We and... are pretty good about staying on vehicle slash genre. I was, yeah, I was going to say... Not necessarily on topic, no. Not on topic, no. We love rabbit holes, but, uh, <coughs> but you know, they're at least... Tangentially related. I mean, like when we did cop shows, we did just cop shows, not not the detective shows. Right. Tried to, yeah, a little bit of the. Well, you know, when you have somebody with OCD or uh, CDO, CDO, um, you know, you you stay within your definitions. That's the rules. Stay in your lane. That's right. That's right. So, uh, well, guys, I'd like to start with one of mine that sure. I like that I watch repeatedly every Christmas season, and that's White Christmas. Very famous musical. Uh, See, and I never would have guessed that because it's it, you know by by today's standards such a sappy, goofy movie. But yeah, and I would never have pictured you as a White Christmas kind of guy. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm not a big musical fan, but he secretly is a fan of musicals. He's gonna have to. Be. <laughs> you, you're digging yourself a hole. I'm not sure I can name out. another musical. That's the thing. Um, but you like this one? I do like this one. That you know, a little great old Bing Crosby, Danny <laughs> Kay. Starts out in the war, you know, and... Uh, it was another era, that's for sure. Uh, uh, oh, my goodness, why can't I think of her name? Uh, Vera Ellen. Yeah. And then Rosemary Clooney. So it's just fun. Uh, the guys are soldiers uh, in um, World War Two. Crosby's already... His character is a, an established performer... Um, but Danny Kaye's character saves his life and wants to get into show business. So kind of angles his way, sort of everybody's doing an angle thing as part of one of the premises. And so they, uh, find themselves as very successful Broadway performers and producers. And 10 years later, um, Danny Kaye's character wants Bing Crosby's character to finally meet a girl because <laughs> he wants 45 minutes to himself to get a massage and they can stop uh, performing and producing and See, everything. that means a totally different thing today. Yeah. Get a massage. <laughs> so uh, they end up uh, going to Florida and meeting the sisters and the very famous uh, dance of the sisters, sisters, which I, I tease my wife about because she has a sister. They're just, just the two of them. Um you know, so they have a, a kind of that Rosemary Clooney Vera Ellen relationship a little bit too. Uh, so it's always a kind of a little bit of something that I can tease the wife about here at the house. Um, and of course, they they fall in love. They go to the they don't realize it, but they they go to Connecticut uh, or no Vermont, Vermont. I'm sorry, um, because the girls have a contract to perform at a what today would be called a bed and breakfast. Okay. And the guys find out it's it's actually owned by their old commanding general. Oh, of general, course. Yeah, General, <laughs> general Waverly. So, they, of course, and there's no snow at Christmas in Vermont. Unheard of. So the, so the place is completely empty. So they decide to do a good turn for the general and uh, put on the show uh, there at the end and uh, get everybody to come in from New York and all this and all over New England for one big show. And then they all realize that they've fallen in love and, you know. It sounds like it's syrupy to the point of syrup, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, you could, it's it's syrupy enough, you could probably put it in a bottle. Yeah, but uh, pour it on pancakes. And pour it on pancakes, yes. That's okay, you know, sometimes you need a little of that. But it, it is, it's, it's 1955. Yeah, and it brings that, all that it's, comes with that, yeah, with it. Yeah, I mean, it's unrepentantly optimistic in that great American way uh, of the 50s. Um, it's fun. It, it's a heck of a lot of fun. And the performances are pretty good, and the songs are fun. And 
It's, you know what it's strikes me as got stuff. an innocence to it. Yeah. Say, yeah, you, you can't make a movie like that nowadays. Um, we could, but nobody would finance it, nor would they go see it. So therefore, you can't make a movie <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but the reason you can't is that it's the nature of the conflict of the movie. Because, you know, every story has to have conflict. Yeah. We're right. all big about how stories are done. And at the heart of that, there's a little bit of man versus himself in that, but... You know, you can make the argument because it's Vermont without snow. Maybe it's man versus nature. I don't know. But in a way, though, the the nature of the conflict is so mild, it's really hard to pinpoint. Right. You know, it's more about just the little bit of antics that these things go, these guys go through, and just little bits of not quite screwball. It's one of those great, like, misunderstanding things. Yes. Because everybody's actually really innocent, but Rosemary Clooney's character falling in love with Bing Crosby, she holds herself back because she thinks he's doing an angle. Right. Uh, looking to embarrass the general to make a dollar, which isn't true, and she has to discover that on her right. own. And so it's, you know... It's the nature of conflict goes that's that's pretty low, though, Yeah, by today's and you're right. It wouldn't be done today. Somebody would have to be really evil and obnoxious and they'd have to overcome that yeah because it's so over the top that you know that's in a way this is i think one of the appeals of a movie like that because you know you don't have to have everything be life or death yes you know i mean even in a hallmark christmas movie it's practically life or death you know Mm -hmm. either Uh, yeah that's a that's a pretty good parallel actually the hallmark movies uh low stakes uh happy ending um Certain tropes about going around and not well, find, finding true love. Well, that there's always yeah, there. some woman who's either a uh, a widow or unrequited love, whatever. That determined professional in a small town. Girl, yeah, yeah determined, that can't you know, find love. Trying to, to, and to save something. Coming back home and <laughs> yeah, you know, trying to save a small business or something or you know veterinary practice. And there yeah. was a hot guy there that that always loved her, but she didn't know. And, uh, we could, <laughs> Yeah, uh, we've just described like 95% of all the Hallmark movies. It was um, a pretty thorough body slam of the Hallmark movies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. well hey, they're very popular. They because, are. Because, you know, that's kind of like what you're talking about here. You want to have an innocent, low stakes movie every once in a while. Well, it, and the thing is, you don't always get a, a happy ending in the, in, the, in the same sense. You know, you might get in movies today resolution in the sense that, you know, the bad guy got what was coming to him. Yeah, but you almost never get that same kind of happy ending. Yeah, feel good, happy, romantic. Yeah, type thing. Yeah, and there are no bad guys in White Christmas, really. Right. Well, nor are there any really in Hallmark movies. I mean, well, sometimes there sometimes are. Sometimes they, yeah, but yeah, yeah, those usually get uh, rehabilitated by the end. Though usually they find out well, maybe they, they get a come up and they, yeah, because they're not they're not really <clears throat> destructive bad guys. They're yeah. just. Somebody's just being a jerk is all. Right. Well, he's not for her. He's but he usually finds somebody else that Well, he you know, is there for. might be some evil banker trying to foreclose on that small business or something like Sometimes, that. Sometimes, yes. But, you know. But you know, a lot of times those those folks, you know, see the error of their ways and you know, come around. Right, right. He's like, "Oh, yes, you can have the extension or yes, we'll forgive your 5 million dollar loan for your tiny little bookstore because we have a heart." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes. He's like, "Yes." We were kind of stupid to make the loan to you, but what the heck. In Whoville that day, they say the Grinch's heart grew three times. You know, that's Three sizes too too large, yes. Um, But, you know, that's, I think, the great thing about a movie like that, though, from that more innocent time. And to me, that's appealing precisely because it's not the same as the movies that are being made today. Yeah. It's why I love the black and whites from the 30s and the 40s. Yeah. Why I love the, the comedies. Yeah. Uh, even as goofy as they are, you know, you yeah. could you could make most of those comedies nowadays. Although I wouldn't mind seeing if you could find good good actors to replace them, a good Arsenic and Old Place, or his Gal Friday. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Arsenic and Old Place was a play, so you know yeah. that 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 comes up quite a bit actually on stage. Yeah. 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 What is it? It's just it's one of those exemplars of American optimism yeah. from the fifties. It just really is, and it's a Christmas. Really great little cute Christmas movie. Yeah. Francis, how about you, man? Let's have oh, one of yours. Oh, I, thank you, Ted Turner. But well, that's something we won't say very often. That's on right. You're absolutely well. I mean, he did make Gettysburg and God's he did. Generals. We do I thank know, him greatly for those. We thank him for those because they would have never been made without his money. So we're we're grateful for all that. But 
he took an obscure 1980s movie that we, and now has made it because every Christmas he shows it either on TBS or TNT 24 hours uh, on Christmas. Uh, and I love him for it. Uh, it's the, a Christmas story uh, that obs- was really a low budget, uh, not very low budget. Very, yeah, it was. It was. It was just. A, I remember when it came out, but it was like, okay, so what? And turned it into a classic. That's the story of, of the memoirs of Gene Shepard, uh, the humorist uh, who narrates the story. Uh, it's it's become its own trope. Because so many things happen in there, everybody knows what happens when you put your tongue onto a frozen light, uh, frozen pole. Kids will shoot your eye out. Kids will kid shoot your eye out. These are things that we know. You know, a Red Rider air uh, air BB gun. You know, with with a compass in the stock. We all know these things. Yeah, the yep. Red Rider BB gun. There's one hanging on the wall right. That's here. right. And, oh, uh, and how many people? You know, there's a place in Florida that a buddy of mine found that sells the lamp. Oh, the, the electric, the fragile, fragile. Must be Italian. It's Italian. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the electric sex in the window, as he says in the movie. <laughs> I didn't realize that was still out there. But everybody knows that. Oh, and everybody. Yeah, I mean, there's just everything about that. With the description of the dad is the, uh, the, yeah, uh, a cusser. Uh, oh, he he. he Profanity was his true art form. Yeah, profanity was that's the last. Exactly, and of course later on when they're changing the tire and all the lug nuts go up and Ralphie goes, "Oh fudge!" <laughs> but I didn't say fudge. I said the big one, the big dog F dash dash dash. And of course it goes on from there, and he blurts out, "Where did you learn that?" And he says, "Well, flicked on me." Well, then they're getting on the phone. You know, where do you think he heard that? No, he didn't hear it from his father. He heard it from your son. You know. <laughs> There's so many things. The life boy in the mouth. Come on, you know this has become. It's become a, a cliche. The little brother when they go outside to play in the, yeah. the, the snow, and mom puts so many layers on him, his arms won't go down. Yeah, she, yeah, she gets was... pushing them down, and they just pop right back. Up. He keeps crying, angry. <laughs> I gotta go to the I bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that one. That is a great one, and that it is. really. It can wear you out when they play it all day for a whole day. Well, but, but the great thing is, though, you can catch it anytime. That's right. Yeah. Pick it up wherever you pick it up at. Uh, let it go on the background. We love to do Christmas work around the house with it playing. Now, my yeah. wife hates it. She's along over it. But I still insist. It's uh, a fun movie. It, really it is, is absolutely it fun. Is everybody, know, everybody knows the lines. Pretty much you've got the darn thing memorized, which is part of, part of its charm. Yeah. I mean, we can all quote those those moments uh, in there. Um, it's a, uh, it looks like a deranged Easter bunny, that sort of stuff. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's got, it's got, it's just got chops and um, uh, uh, Darren McGavin and all the actors and actresses. Who, who was the mom? Uh, sorry, we're going to have to check that out during, uh, while we're, we're talking about something yeah. else. Yeah, but we'll yeah, have to look a, it up. But yeah, yeah, there's hardly anybody in it that was a big deal other than Darren McGavin. And, right. Yeah. Uh, uh, even he's just kind of more of a TV actor, right? Right. Um, yeah, he had done uh, Coljack the Night Stalker, among yeah. many other things uh, that he had done. But he's not really a movie guy. Yeah, it, so it was, it, it was really a pretty small cast, and yeah, well again, it was it no budget. It, it worked and so it was, well, and it was and because it was no budget. Ted Turner could you know get the rights to it pretty easily, and God bless him, he figured out a way to say, you know, we can really make this a Christmas thing. Uh, and probably uh, the old cars were probably the thing that cost them the most money <laughs> to, to, to get in and use in the film. Well, depending on, yeah, you know, I guess if you did make it through a studio, because you know, studios have those things in, you know, in storage somewhere. Well, yeah, stuff. they have a you know, companies that companies hold on to them absolutely and, and have them ready to use as movie props, right? Yeah, that's what uh, uh, Melinda Dillon. Uh, was the mom, by Melinda the way. Dillon, Peter yes. Billingsley, of course, was Peter Ralphie. Yes. Uh, uh, amazing uh, moments. that it, it takes us back to an era that's before us. It's late 40s, early 50s. Yes. Uh, and my father-in-law absolutely loves it because it's his era. He was yeah. he was those kids. I mean, yeah. that, that was his type of thing. It's set in the forties, right? Yeah, it was set. It was after the war, but it was just after the war. He was. It was probably 48, 49. Yeah, that Red Rider BB gun has got to be closer to fifty. It's it, it's it's late late forties, early fifties. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it's definitely that. Uh, it's Truman Eisenhower type stuff. Yeah, uh, I would say. Yeah, yeah, Truman for sure. I think. And it was it was amazing. Uh, 
it, it laid out, and this kind of goes back to your love of your movie here. It lays out a time that is no more that many of us remember fondly. Yeah, and, and there's a nostalgia. I don't want to give it too much power because it's kind of false. We know that. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it's still not something that we don't seek after. Well, it's not. I, don't, I wouldn't even say that it's false, but, you know, just because other people can look back and say parts of life were horrible should not, does not, and should not negate the the good things that did happen you know the nostalgia yeah. you know the time when things were stable the economy was growing yeah there was still work to do but progress was yeah. being made i mean there was there's something to that whole uh, the Sears catalog is coming. I'm picking out what I want for oh, Christmas. Oh yeah, I remember well, doing that. We with remember catalogs. that. We were one, probably one of the last generations yeah. to do that, do that. Uh, yeah. because you could talk to my younger brother, seven years younger, has doesn't have that experience. He was born '72. Uh, by that time, he he was too small his to remember t- it. TV commercials it's, just gonna exactly. Over, yeah. yeah. Well, if we remember some of that, I mean, for gosh sakes, we all wanted this, the Mego action figures. The yeah. Micronauts, to, you know. Oh, yeah. To, we wanted some of that stuff really, really bad. I mean, I wanted the whole Planet of the Apes play set, for goodness sakes. You all did, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those, actually, but you're me, right. It, it's, it's all about the innocence and, again, that sense of American optimism yeah. in, after the war. Some of it is going back to our youth, but we weren't of the Christmas story or or White Christmas. We weren't used at that time. That's before our time. No, we yeah, still the appreciate Christmas story that. is a boomer. Absolutely. I mean, because you're talking about a character that would have come of age in the yeah, 60s. Yeah, that is absolutely a boomer movie. Yeah, so I mean... Uh, Nostalgia-wise. Don't get us wrong, yes. All of that gives way to Vietnam and Watergate. We understand that. We That's know our that. era. That's right. And uh, But you see, so, one of the reasons that that movie was so... That I think was so good is because it, it was post those things. And we're remembering a time when those weren't. Yeah. And even we get mind. that. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, we were the ones that, you know, grew up. During Vietnam and Watergate yeah. and all the Watching energy crisis on TV, yeah, yeah, and wondering why our cartoons aren't on and uh, that <laughs> sort of stuff. Nope, serious business, guys. Robert, let's have yours, man. Okay, so are you uh, going to start the fight? Uh, no, no. Okay, I, I, want, I want to do mine first, and then we can start the fight. And if we have time, I have uh, one in honor of Mrs. Robert. Oh, okay, okay, we'll have time. We'll have time because I, we're, I'm going to go around again, and we'll. we'll so do it again. Uh, mine is probably one of, if not one of the first. Uh, that almost everybody's going to think of as a Christmas movie. And that's It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, right. I, we did it show prep. That had to come up. It has so, to. So, yeah, I mean, this is, by, this is my default go-to. Uh, I have looked for this when everything was just broadcast as a kid uh, to see it every year because it was just one of those movies that I just loved. Uh, part of it's the black and white uh, aspect of it, the old movie. Because uh, and I do not like the colorized version. I don't go for those. That, that was Ted Turner. So if yeah. you want to slam him, we've, we've yeah. praised him already. We've come to praise mm-hmm. Caesar. Now it's time to bury him. Yes, uh, whatever. Um, but you know, Jimmy Stewart. Uh, it's one of his finest roles, in yeah. my yeah. opinion. It really is. Yeah. Well, then there's a lot of fine roles there too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of great actors in that movie. Um, uh, a lot of Barrymore seniors in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and does a great job as Mr. Potter. Um. But to me, it's just one of those great movies for the for a lot of reasons. But it's just one of those great movies because it truly gets. Uh, I don't say the spirit of Christmas because that's kind of a weird thing, you know. Yeah. Because what is the spirit of Christmas? Christmas is about the birth of Christ. Yet almost no Christmas movie is about the birth of Christ. <laughs> well, um, you know. So, but to me, it, it gets that that. Ethos, uh, Mark. Okay, I like that. Uh, of what it means to be a Christian, mm-hmm. and shows it in action. Mm-hmm. So you've got that with George Bailey, constantly sacrificing for others. Yeah, for the good mm-hmm. of others, putting his 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 needs and wants and desires aside. And yet, the things that he puts aside aren't really the most important things, because it allows him to stay in town. To marry the girl of his dreams, that's right, and to help others, and if he had gone off to college, none of that would have happened. You know, if he hadn't saved his uh, brother from falling through the ice, he wouldn't have lost the hearing in one ear. Mm-hmm. Uh, just all these different things that, if he were selfish instead of selfless, 
we see changes the entire world. Yeah, you know? which is the that's the brilliant which of is this the movie. whole point yeah. of the yeah. movie. Yeah, is it shows the impact that one man has on hundred, literally hundreds, if not thousands of people. Well, yeah, because saving Harry Bailey as a child saves the troop transport in World War Two, which is kind of the whole. Every man on that troop transport died because you weren't there to save Harry. Exactly, uh, as Clarence the Angel would tell us. And so, you know, that whole because. Obviously, you know, we talk about this sort of thing all the time and, well, often, about the ability and necessity of being able to sacrifice for others, uh, to put someone else's good ahead of your own. And this movie just does a great job of that. And probably more so than any other movie uh, is able to do it without making it just an obnoxious, in-your-face kind of thing. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And that's another difficult the thing to do. Is beautiful, beautiful. It is, and you know, it really is probably one of the first times I encountered what is essentially an alternative history "what if" kind of <laughs> piece of entertainment. Sure, yeah, and yeah. you know, that's one of my favorite pieces. So I was thinking about this earlier today. It's like, well, that that's a good reason why it speaks to you because it's, it's literally a what, a what if. if story. It's a what if, and it's a great what if story. And then at the end, when George is about to lose everything because. Uh, uh, what was uh, Uncle Billy um, has left the money that he was supposed to deposit in the bank, which is the, today it's hard for us to understand. Well, why would a savings and loan deposit money in a bank? Well, it's a different. It was a different animal back yeah, then. Yeah, that's right. The yeah, savings and loan today is almost really just a bank, uh, it's yeah. our, it, essentially. Um, so he leaves the money in in Potter's office, and Potter, of course, keeps it in his lab. Yeah, yeah, and, and which which is brilliantly done. The I mean the uh, the director. Uh, uh, Billy Wilder is uh, fantastic yeah. with, with laying all this out because you don't really know what's happened until Potter looks in his lap and sees it closes his hands and just moves on you know right and you know when when, the, when George is going to go to to jail because there's auditors in they're auditing the books and of course you got to have all the money and everything add up and otherwise you're going to go to jail for embezzlement and fraud and blah 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 and money starts coming in. You know, he's well. He's out, basically uh, trying to kill himself, and then goes through the whole thing with Clarence the Angel. In, in real life, the town is coming together, mm-hmm. and even the guys who were there to audit him end up throwing money in the basket. That's right. Yeah. And then at the end, when uh, George's company, or uh, 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 Harry's uh, Harry's company, uh, wires a message saying, "You can have whatever you need," basically. Up to you know X amount of whatever it is, and uh, Sam Wainwright. Sam Wainwright, yes, right, yeah, yes. Harry Sam. shows up because yeah, Harry's there. Yeah, he's in the uniform. Yes, yeah. sorry, Sam Wainwright, um, which was his rival at one point. Yes, his and rival. Yet he treated him so well. They stayed friends, and Sam ends up. It's kind of like one of those little yes. threads that goes through there. He's the one that saves him. Yes, you know. I mean, he ended up being unnecessary, <laughs> but he doesn't know that. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. And he was willing to cover the entire thing and then some. Mm-hmm. And. You know, just that whole thing that the sacrifice had an impact beyond what he saw. You know, he he didn't see those sacrifices as anything other than hurting himself, ultimately. But in the end, he realizes not just the effect that he had on others, because Cla- that's what Clarence helps him with. Mm-hmm. But the end shows him that he's truly built a legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love the legacy. Oh, oh, boy. Well, the line yeah. at the very end is my absolute favorite of all time. Teacher no. says whenever a bell rings, no, an angel gets... Oh, that sorry. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a nice one. No. Yeah. Total I'm... tripe as far as it goes theologically, but yes. That's right. No, the fact this is no man is truly alone who has friends. Yes. And that's there's the lesson right there. Yeah. That's one of the, It's Amazing. not the only lesson, but it's a, it's a big one. Yeah. You know, he's... And uh, I tell that to people all the time. I'll preach a funeral and I'll tell that to people. I, I, I preach the legacy aspect of funerals almost all the time yeah. uh, because almost always it's a huge crowd. Yeah. And, you know. Look, you know, look at all the lives this person touched. Exactly. Uh, and that's something that family needs to hear it, uh, but we need to hear it about ourselves too because we always have the opportunity to do better. Yeah. So, so to me, that I, so it embodies that aspect of Christmas in the sense that it shows how one man's sacrifice can save so many others. Yeah. So you could argue that maybe it's better as an Easter movie, but it happens at Christmas time. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, yeah, it's optimism, it's, a, it, it's yeah. friendship. It, there's a lot of themes there. Yeah, and, you know, it's a 90-minute awesome. movie. You know, that's the beauty of some yeah. of these things. The, Packed. 
it's packed full of stuff, but it's not in your face, and it's not. I mean, it's a little contrived, but well, yeah, you know, almost all movies are because you don't have enough time to really do anything. Yeah, but it, it's just so well made. Billy, Billy Wilder is just—he's one of the geniuses. He, he really is very much so. Yes, yeah, uh, uh, and he didn't even like the movie. He didn't think it was all that great. Uh, and uh, it's actually a, no. You said Billy Wilder. It's Frank Capra. Oh, I'm sorry. You're absolutely yeah, it's right. Frank, it's Frank, Frank Capra. You're, uh, the, uh, you're exactly the right. Yeah. Man, we would have gotten an email about that for sure. Absolutely. Well, hopefully everybody See, we get that. so caught up <coughs> in what we're doing that sometimes we make those little mistakes. That's right. Sometimes yeah. we can correct them now. Sometimes yeah. we have to correct them. Later. Yeah. It was Frank Capra, and he himself didn't think that movie was all that great. Yes. Yes. Uh, that it just well, it's okay. One one bad. Uh, but what really made that movie the Christmas movie that we know it to be was the rights expired to it. It became, <laughs> it became for, for somehow, and it went public domain for several years, uh, and I don't remember if this was the late 70s or the, I know it was in the 80s for that point. So every show, every TV, local TV place could show it for free, and they all did. Oh yeah, every oh, year. Oh yeah, that's, that's plus you're you talking said. the explosion of cable, looking for cheap programming. That's correct. As well. It was free, and it was you know, they're always looking for holiday programming anyway. Yeah. So every local station, every cable station showed this movie, and I remember it in the '80s for sure, for well, several it, years. It's a free movie with a huge star. That's right. That at at that time still would have resonated. That's correct. And for it several still gets years, played today. That's yeah. What, yeah, it's been because the rights, but especially back. right there at that end of the seventies, early eighties. Yeah, Stewart would have been a guy that was fresh in everybody's yeah. memory. Yes. He was still alive. People knew him. Uh, it really, and it was, it, it took off to the point where it's become for a generation, and we we're one of those generations. Yeah, it's not Christmas without that movie. Exactly, and that's part of the part of the happy circumstances yeah. that, that, that contributed to that. And our children and the next generation are beneficiaries of that because we've passed it on. Now we seek it out. Yeah. But yeah. only because it uh, it was uh, able to be seen and people watched it and said, wow, you really did have a wonderful life, George Bailey. Yeah. Well, my next one, very much in the vein of, of these in Christmas Story, is the one that we put on when we put the tree up uh, at our house. And it is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh, Cousin Eddie. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. And I'll, I want to talk about Cousin Eddie and how they kind of watered him down a little bit. But Oh, really? Yeah, from the first film, they watered Cousin Eddie down. You know, in the first vacation, Cousin Eddie appears, but it doesn't appear in the second one, the European, European vacation. vacation. Right. So they brought him back. They brought back uh, Randy Quaid for this one. But, you know, in the first one... Uh, the two daughters, you know, are on the swing at the farm, or not the swing, the seesaw at the farm, and uh, Cousin Eddie's daughter says, you know, I French kiss. Daddy says I'm the best. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, yes. So that that gets cut out, you know, because Dana replies, well, everybody does that. But Daddy says I'm the best. Yeah. Or they've changed it. Something like that, They've changed it, I think, now to teacher says I'm the best. Yeah. Um, but we're like cut it out entirely. So, you know, cousin Eddie's creepy in the first one. Yeah. yeah. So they water it down a little bit for the for Christmas and, uh, but it's just it's so funny and it's. Can I get you anything, Eddie? Uh, some eggnog, something to eat. A job. Dri- <laughs> drive you out to the middle of nowhere, leave you for dead. <laughs> no, he's too busy emptying out the shitter. <laughs> <laughs> Shitter's full. Sure, full. Gotta empty it out. Hey, good yeah. morning. Have you checked our shitters, honey? Yeah. Uh, the shitter is full. But we just, we love Christmas Vacation. We, we used to have it on uh, a disc, I think, that we played it so often it went bad. We had to get another copy on Blu-ray. Uh, but we always watch Christmas Vacation when we put the tree up. That's I love that movie, if nothing else, just for the lights. You know, yeah. Lighting up Everybody the house. knows the. I mean, that's yeah. that's a thing. To, yeah. That's what you call it now. When somebody puts too much, too many Christmas decorations, you call them Clark Griswold. Yeah. Um, so and it's it's so much of it's funny, and of course Johnny Galecki, uh, pre Leonard Hofstadter. That's right. Plays I Rusty. He, oh, <coughs> I that's he was right. in that. Yeah. That's that's yeah. That's Big Bang Theory. Um, that's pre Roseanne. Yeah, and Juliet Lewis, I think it is. It plays uh, Dana. Yes. So, uh, but yeah, Cousin Eddie and the, and the RV 
and Brian Joel Murray as, as the boss. And how did you get a bonus? I cut out bonuses this year. What a low down thing. If I had a rubber hose, I'd hit you with it, mister. <laughs> so, but it's, it's funny because that, I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's an 80s movie. So it's it's got to be different from the fifties, you know. So it's a it's a whole different thing well, from White Christmas. But is a time when we were transitioning from the wholesome family to the dysfunctional family. Yeah, but it's uh, still in an innocent way. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, you know, best kisser aside. <laughs> yeah. In the first movie, <laughs> um, and, and even so, they were still family. I mean, yeah. If you look at even Archie Bunker, which is, you know, we think of as, you know, a dysfunctional family, but they weren't. That's right. Yeah. You know, they actually did, it worked. Yeah. I mean, they loved each other. You know, even, even Meathead was still, you know, Archie was somewhat fond of him. Not, Eventually. Not, event, yeah. I mean, it's not like he would have, uh, you know, ever admitted it, but that still comes across uh, in small ways. Uh, but yeah, you know, and of course, Family Ties is still going on, which is the epitome of the 80s functional family. Yeah. Um, but you know we're transitioning, so and even so, though, like you said, it's still it's still a wholesome thing. Yeah, it's just a, a, that great '80s film again, a little bit watered down from the first one, but probably uh, a good thing. You know, Julia Louis Dreyfus, uh, uh, the neighbor. Why is the carpet all wet, Todd? You know, oh yeah, I don't yeah. know, Margot. So it's just that that great juxtaposition between this kind of old fashioned. Clark Griswold trying to remember the 50s and he's in the attic looking at the old movies and then even down to the house is so different next door you know the modernized uh, the stairs all are open and you know all the cool electronics in the bedroom so it's just it's just really neat and fun who and, doesn't love that movie yeah just a great way it's done but yeah very different though uh, but there is a tie between white Christmas and and Christmas Vacation. Oh, good. What is it? Uh, when Chevy Chase goes on the tirade, uh, when he finds out he's been enrolled in the Jelly of the Month Club. <laughs> and, of course, I can't repeat it, uh, but it's, you know, we're the jolliest bunch. Oh, yes. Since Bing Crosby tap danced with Danny. Effing. K. <laughs> okay, we somehow got through that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So, so, what's so the... my two movies do tie together. Uh, th- that's yeah, that's true. They do. What what is our bourbon? Are we still on the um, quarter horse, I believe. Mm-hmm. We are absolutely. Well, you know, if you, if you if you find a good horse, you ride it all the way to the end. That's, that's true. I look at it, you know. That is true. And this has been this has been excellent. Owensboro bourbon. Uh, Martin deserves a lot of credit for picking that one out. Sight unseen, just kind of you know decided. Let's just do Square it. Square bottle. Square bottle, and there we go. You know. Right? Yep. It's got to be good. Bottle's different. <laughs> this is something different and again it's at a pretty good price point it's about the yeah. $25-$26 price point uh, well, we're, always, really, we're always looking for new and uh, different bourbons so you know uh, hey manufacturers if you want us to feature you just let us know that's right you know we literally reach thousands of people that's good yes we do absolutely we do uh, and, uh, and we drink and someday millions <laughs> there'll be one podcast to rule them all <laughs> I'm going to snap my fingers and all the other half of podcasts disappear uh, don't just blip out of existence yeah. alright Francis what's number two for you man well you know I'm surprised We've everything we've talked about so far has all been fun I mean uh it's a wonderful life's got some serious moments to it. Don't get oh. me wrong, uh, but it's it's still fun. In the end, it's 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 happy. And of course, and the one I want to talk about, it's not just one movie, but it's a Christmas standard. Everybody has a version of this that is their favorite because there's a bazillion adaptations of it. Yeah, you've got to talk about it. if you're going to talk about Christmas movies, you've got to talk about uh, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. It's been done all over the place. I mean, it was done in the '30s. Uh, which is one of the things that people know, but in the 70s, uh, George C. Scott did a fantastic, fantastic yep. TV version of it yep. uh, that I, is still one of the very, very best, just called Scrooge. Uh, uh, Bill Murray, you know, hell, he did Scrooge, which uh, that's not really my thing. It was okay. I'm not a huge Bill Murray fan. He's all right. 
But oh, love me some Bill Murray. Well, I understand. I mean, it's 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 a thing. But my favorite version, and this should come as no surprise. <laughs> Here we go. Is Patrick Stewart's version <laughs> that he did for TNT. Uh, yeah, and Robert. Sometimes I think. I, sometimes I think Patrick Stewart sends him a check every month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would, I would just have be. To, <laughs> he'd have to share it if he did. Yeah, yeah I suppose we'd but, be getting a cut of that. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, we we've met Patrick Stewart though we, we did uh, back in the eighties, uh, but when he was still on uh, on uh, third season, I think of, of Next Generation. Is, I don't remember the year, but that sounds uh, about right. Yeah, yes. it's where we actually met. Well, him. he I, did the he did the convention. He did the convention circuit. circuit. Yeah, that's right. Of course, he was you know um, he was really nice. He was a class act, as we all knew, uh, and he actually that ties in really well with what I want to talk about because at that time. He had been, one of the things he talked about was his other projects, uh, because he could do that. You know, he had the forum. And he talked about how the fact he would do a one-man show yeah. of A Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. Uh, by memory, mind you. Of course, he's an actor. He can do this. And, and mm-hmm. a fantastic one, as we all know. So Patrick is. And it was at that convention, mind you, that I was able to pick up a cassette copy of his performance. And I would listen to it every year on Christmas. It's only about. It wasn't that long. I mean, it was probably two hours most. I mean, it's just like a, mm-hmm. just like watching a movie. Uh, and so I was delighted when a few years later, TNT Ted Turner commissioned him to actually do the movie itself. And it, of course, you know, the, the guy is one of the greatest actors on the planet. We know that. Uh, we'd watch him read the cereal box. At least I would. He's just that good. At it. But he brings to that role. Just an amazing gravitas. We've used that word before. A fantastic performance. It's so different than Jean-Luc Picard. But if you know the story, and let's face it, we all know the story. Yeah. We've, we've, we've probably read It's not actually not a very long uh, book. We've prob- many people have probably read it. I certainly have. Uh, and it was very, that version was very faithful to Dickens' original intent. That's good. And it's a fantastic performance of... It's a moment of pause to remind yourself that, you know, in this serious day of commercialism, the reason for the season is very different. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Christmas movies we've talked about, uh, Wonderful Life aside, doesn't really doesn't go there. Yeah. yeah. We kind of have to go there. This is a pointless discussion of eternal questions. That's about as eternal question as you get. Yeah. But, you know, the Christmas, you know, ghost of Christmas future that doesn't speak, you know. Uh, and Ebenezer Scrooge, people being delighted that he's dead. I mean, and that's 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 a game changer. He so. is the opposite of George Bailey. Absolutely, absolutely, he yeah. is. It's taken yeah. him a completely. I mean, different. it's you know, it's the Grinch, it's Theodore Geisel, and you know, Doctor Seuss. It's mm-hmm. it's the same. Oh, see now that would have been a good one. Same idea. Uh, the Grinch. That, but that's TV, of course. Yeah. Well, the Grinch. Although it was done. As Jim a movie. Carrey did a movie, and I am not a Jim Carrey fan. It depends uh, on what it is, and I, I am. Uh, he, he's got he's got great range, and he's done some good stuff. I'm not a huge fan. I have a hard time getting past his Batman Forever with the Riddler. Uh, just sometimes some performances color. I did your like opinion. Liar Liar. Yes, Liar Liar. He was great in. Yeah, that's one of those where it it suits him. Ace Ventura wasn't bad, and and you know, well, works. the first one, the that's second correct. one was awful. That, that's correct. Yeah, the first one. Uh, second one is actually a movie I refuse to finish watching. Oh wow! And, uh, yeah, and it's unusual for me. Um, he, the one he was in, um, uh, where he was grew up at, as the main character on a television show, and he didn't know it was a television show. Truman Show. Truman Show. Yeah, that was phenomenal. Uh, he did a great job. And Ed Harris too. That yes, Ed Harris. Yeah. <laughs> that helped a whole lot. Uh, Ed Harris covers a multitude of sins. Yes, he does. That's correct. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, what's your what's your next one? So uh, time to this start one, the fight. Pardon? Is it time to start the fight? No, no. Got oh, one more to go. One more to go. Then we can start the fight. You guys got to do two. That's correct. Fair. Well, I thought this was going to be your second one. No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. This this is an homage to my wife. So uh, my wife has a favorite Christmas movie. All right. So and and I agree. This is a great Christmas movie. I love it. Um, she watches it when she wraps presents every year. Well, good. So, I love those kind of traditions. Yeah. So it is While You Were Sleeping. Sandra Bullock. Okay. Really? Yes. I didn't realize that was a Christmas movie. Yeah. Set at Christmas. And I it's kind it of about Christmas, but it's... I love that movie. It happens over the space of right before Christmas to just after Christmas. Uh, it's so a great movie. Christmas is really the setting. Yeah. Uh, so you know, maybe this is a lead into the argument. Okay. Um, but, yeah. you know, it's... Uh, 
it's a story about this girl who's a um, uh, uh, taker. token taker, yeah. basically, uh, at, at the subway in New York. And she is falling in love from afar with this guy who doesn't even know who she is. Peter Gallagher. Peter Gallagher. Very good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he fall, He gets mugged, falls yeah. on the tracks. She saves him, gets him to the hospital. And somebody asks, well, who are you? And, you know, what, you know, and it's like, oh, I'm going to marry him. Because, uh, you know, but nobody, you know, she, she didn't think anybody heard her say that. Yeah. So then, you know, the nurse who hears this is like, oh, well, of course you can stay here. You're his fiance. <laughs> yeah. And, and it spins out of control. Spins out of control in the classic I Love Lucy kind of way. Yeah, because the classic he has, misunderstanding. Right, because he ends up having amnesia. Yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't remember. Well, it doesn't remember her. But I mean, he doesn't wake up until after she's developed this this deep bond with his family. Yeah. Uh, because they think, you know, he's a playboy, which he is. And that uh, he's very shallow. And that uh, they're they're in love with her. He, they think she's great, and she falls in love with them. Yeah. Great Catholic family, uh, you know, because Grandma's always praying the Rosary, and, oh. you know, and all this. And their friend uh, Ox is uh, is their Jewish friend yeah. uh, who 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 finds out the secret early on, and he promises to help her tell them. But he's like, no, this is it's either great theater or it's good for her. Yeah, he, he becomes yeah. the really the redemptive force in this because he's yes. the one that helps her make it all come true. And she ends up falling for the brother. Oh, I'd forgotten that part. Yeah. That's right. Uh, and the brother is... Um, he's the one that thinks she's a, a gold digger out to... Yeah, well, she's a little crazy too because... Uh, shoot, what's his name? He was... Um, the only, uh, only other thing I can think of that he's in, he's the president in um, Independence Day. Oh, Bill, oh Pullman. Bill, Bill Pullman. Pullman. Thank yes. you, Bill Pullman. That's so, right. That's right. Yeah. So he's uh, uh, he, they fall for each other through wacky circumstances, and it's just it's just a lighthearted thing. It's very fun, and she almost ends up marrying Peter until at the end, you know, it all comes out and says, "No, it's not you. It's you," and blah blah blah. And the end of the movie is, you know, she's doing the voiceover, and it's basically her telling the story to her kids. Or to somebody, you know, Peter asks, you know, uh, when did you fall in love with my brother or something like that? It's while you were sleeping. How I met your mother. Something like that, <laughs> yes, yes. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, it, it's another one of those really good, feel-good movies. It's a little redemptive. Yeah, you know, it's, a yeah it's always a good thing. Good you know, it, it's redemptive for her in the sense that it drags her out of her spiral. Yeah. Because she's on a downward spiral to, you know, being the 300-pound cat lady. At best, yeah. And uh, oh, Joe Junior. Oh my God. So the the building she lives in has uh, is run by this guy named Joe, but her his son is like the handyman. Yeah. And that's Joe Junior. And he's been trying to get into her pants forever, you know. Yeah. And turns out he's got a thing for female shoes, <laughs> and it's just it's just really just so many good characters in it, and really just good fun. And, you know, it's one of those ones that I do like watching with her because I enjoy the movie quite a bit, too. There you go. All right, so that's six great Christmas movies. It is. So now time for an argument. Now for an argument. So Yes. So many people, although technically you should do this. You should do the lead because you're the captain. Yes, you're the captain. Yes, but I'm the one taking the contrarian position. But obviously, listeners, I'm sure you have guessed by now. The argument is about Die Hard. Yes. Now, don't get me wrong. Is Die Hard one of the greatest films of all time? Absolutely. Absolutely. We all love that. That's one thing we Absolutely. do agree on. yippee ki it is. That's right. Um, on my Christmas list this year is a sweatshirt that says, Now I have a machine gun. Ho, oh, ho, ho, ho. Because oh, oh. oh, those can lives. be bought. You know, yes. you can get anything on the internet. And yes. that's one of the things you can get on the internet. But to me, it's an action movie set at Christmas, which I know makes me an outlier. Because Francis here assumed we were all in agreement. I I really did. I truly thought we were all there. Well, and that's why I say, you know, you can make the argument that my second movie for my wife is a a love story set at Christmas. 
But you know, I think I made a fairly decent argument for it being a. It's a real Christmas. A real Christmas I, I wouldn't movie. argue. Plus, that. it has a Christmas tradition. related to a Christmas tradition in the household. So yeah, yeah and family and yeah. you know, well, all that. Good that's stuff. part of one of the reasons I like it because every year for the last three years, and I ain't stopping anytime yet. On Christmas Eve, uh, one of the things that I always do is we have a five. Uh, a 5 p.m. mass that I always go to and, and a midnight mass that I go to. So I've got a stretch there for several hours. For me, part of that time between there, and I make my wife watch it and she... Nothing like agrees. preparing for the celebration of mass and the birth of Christ than watching Die Hard. Right. <laughs> we watch Die Hard. We watch Die Hard. The girls, my daughters will usually come over. My son's usually there. And it's gotten to the point now they're asking... You know, it's time to watch Die Hard. It's time to watch Die Hard. That's right. We're home for Mass. It's time to watch Die Hard. That's right. You know, we've we've got, you know, several hours before you have to go back. We've got just enough time to eat and watch Die Hard while we do it. Well, you know, I and I think, you know, that so that's a great Christmas tradition. Yes. And I think, you know, not just being said at Christmas, I think it does have some redemptive themes. Because I think... For at least most of the Christmas movies, there's some kind of redemptive theme to it. Yeah, to be to be a, you know, it doesn't oh. necessarily have to be overt, but oh yes, no John McClane and his wife get together again. Yes, and, they, and their marriage is strained at the very. Well, granted, in later movies, it's still strained, but you get the sense <coughs> at the end of this that they're going to get back together. Right, that the marriage has been saved. Um, and Al, and Al, you got to love Al. Oh my gosh, I love him. Al Pal. Yeah. Sergeant Al Pal. Oh, I forgot LAPD. about him. Yeah, absolutely. Very redemptive for him. Yep. So. Yeah, he, he, you know, he 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 is the walking cop cliche. He is, but he, but he he pulls it off so so very well. I mean, it's just an amazing moment. Uh Reginald Vell Johnson. Bell Johnson. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he is just a fantastic uh, actor, he was in all sorts of stuff in the '80s in different yes. things. Well, uh, Family Matters is the big claim to fame, of course, right, with Urkel. Exactly. And uh, but you know, come on, guys, we have to talk about the great Hans Gruber. Oh yes, I mean yes. Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. He was he had done a lot of stuff by that point, but he was not generally well known to American movie going audiences no. before no. this uh-uh. before this movie. I tell you um, what, the bit where he goes from playing like he's one of the uh, hostages who got away with the American accent. Oh, but Clay, Bill Clay. Bill yeah, Clay. that was phenomenal because that's, yeah. that's difficult to do to change an accent midstream like that. That's and, right, and he know. pulls it off so well. And that's just a tribute to the late, great Alan Rickman who did so many great works. He's and known another, for Harry Potter, yes. but we loved him long before he ever yeah. And another that. tie to Christmas, he plays... Uh, the sheriff of Nottingham, and he threatens to cancel Christmas. <laughs> oh, that's right. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. He played the sheriff of Nottingham in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yes. Yes, and he threatens he's going to go after the guy with a spoon. Yes. And, and, uh, and Guy of Gisborne, uh, I forget the actor who plays him, but you'll probably remember. Uh, mm-hmm. He says, why would you do that? He goes, because it would hurt more. It's dull. <laughs> oh, I love, I love Alan Rickman. Yes. And he got to choose some serious scenery in that movie, though. Yeah. Uh, it was, he, he played this one pretty straight. Yes. Uh, he was, and he was a bad, bad, bad man. I mean, he, yeah. was, he, was, beyond, he was Samuel L. Jackson level of tough. And that's yes. saying something. And ruthless. Yes. Ruthless, yes. Uh, uh, and you and he he lays it all out so brilliantly because he brings you in as this cultured, you don't know what he is until he pulls the pistol and I'm going to count, and then all of a sudden he pulls the trigger and uh, blows Tanaka's Takagi's Takagi yes blows Joseph Yoshinobu Takagi yes exactly all over the place and then all of a sudden the movie gets very dangerous very quickly and you realize oh my gosh that's I mean. Brilliant piece of writing. Yes, and I love later when he asks Holly, "What idiot put you in charge? You did when you murdered <laughs> my boss." Yeah, you're right. The, the whole setup, Jim Shigeta, of course. Yes, Ex- excellent actor. Yes, uh, you know the whole setup of, of Hans Gruber, that that character, the elevator ride, nice suit, John Phillips London. Yes. I hear Arafat buys his there. Yes, you know? yes, and the whole benefits of a classical education. That's that's all great stuff. I would love to sit and discuss men's fashion with you all day, but we don't have time. (laughs) My associate, Theo, has some questions for you. Fill in the blanks kind of questions. Yeah, that's... uh, I like Theo in that. You you don't really get get to see what happens to him, if I remember correctly. Uh... Well, Argyle wrecks the limo into the ambulance and knocks him out. That's That's what it is. That's right. That's exactly right. He has a... But Theo has that great line... 
who he's because he's watching the the video he's oh look the police have themselves an rv <laughs> Yeah, it's it, or, I think he actually says recreational vehicle. Yeah, the police right. have themselves in our recreational vehicle. Yes, I mean, come on, we love this movie. I know you guys say it's not a Christmas movie. I'm not saying it's it's a. Have great... I quoted more lines than either of you? Of course, I love it. I memorized the whole thing. Uh, I guess our see, definition of Christmas movie is just a little bit looser. <laughs> ironically enough, yeah, but it's the rules, it, man. It, it, you know, because you, you want to celebrate at the end. Uh, when you know Christmas has finally arrived, you know it's the anticipation for the end of the movie. When all this crap happens, you know Christmas arrives and you know the, all is right with the world again. Yeah, usually, your Christmas doesn't involve blowing up the top floor of the, the I'm tower. Going, or... I'm never going up again in a tall building. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so instead, he just you know takes hey, off on the side of a plane. <laughs> hey, I will listen. I will listen to uh, Christmas and Hollis. I do like the movie. I do like that song. It's Christmas time in Hollis, Queens. Mom's cooking chicken and collard greens. That's the, you know, run DMC that he listens to in the limo with Argyle. Oh, yeah. I would okay. see you are, we, we bow to you, sir, <laughs> yes. as, as the expert. That's a, that's a great, great song. I sure didn't know that one, no. Uh, and uh, I've seen that movie a zillion times, too, but uh, uh, I, I missed all that it's one. It's Christmas time in Hollis, Queens. Well, Mom's I have discovered when you. Collard greens. Uh, yeah, and I, but I have discovered that. Uh, if you've had a stressful day, take your shoes off barefoot and crunch them on the carpet. <laughs> hey, but keep your shoes your close by. Yes, make, always keep your shoes close. Make by. fists with your toes. That's right. And it works. It works. And which is, to me, that is brilliant writing. That's one of the things that that movie yeah. does so well. Yeah. It takes something like a simple throwaway line and it makes Chekhov's gun out of it where it's going to get fired and it becomes a critical piece to the entire movie. Yeah. That's just good writing because you yeah. had no idea that that mattered. Yeah. I am on the lookout for that novel, uh, Roderick Thorpe, and I cannot remember the name of the novel. Um, I'll have to look it up. But the the movie had been in development for a long time. Originally, uh, I think Frank Sinatra was slated to star in it because he had actually starred in um, a detective film based off Roderick Thorpe's first novel. And because the development took so long, of course, Frank Sinatra doesn't, you know, you can't really convincingly put him into an action film. He would have made, he would have made a good Hans Gruber, not yes. as a German, but... Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Fra- believe it or not, Frank Sinatra was originally going to be Dirty Harry. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was, and they actually did some promotion. You can find on the internet very quickly some promotional posters that they had yeah. done with him in line with that. Yeah. He didn't uh, want to mess with that giant... Uh, gun the the model twenty nine right, Smith yeah. and Wesson forty four mag, yeah. but yeah. So he had appeared in the detective film based on a Roderick Thorpe novel, and then this was supposed to be a sequel, but they disconnected the two and rewrote it, and you have Die Hard. Yeah, uh, nothing lasts forever. Nothing is, lasts forever. Is the name of the Roderick Thorpe uh, book that it's yes, based on. Nothing yes. lasts forever. So, but yeah, it's it's. I think it's even filmed. Uh, at the same place as one of the Planet of the Apes films, right? Isn't Nakatomi Plaza also the the big plaza that appears in the fourth Planet oh, of the Apes Conquest film? Oh, Conquest of Planet of the Apes? Yes, actually it is. It's a well-known downtown L.A. Uh, landmark uh, that was used for several different places. Yeah. And I remember uh, the Planet of the Apes folks, uh, they... Uh, Roddy McDowell did a really great, and I think you, I think you even see it over there on your shelf, uh, documentary about the the franchise uh, called Behind the Planet of the Apes, and that's where they talk about how they filmed every one of those, because by the time the fourth Planet of the Apes movie was coming on, uh, you know we're trying to be cheap here. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know we, 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 we can get we can get you two more movies out of this, but a, we, we're not, there's, not, there's not going to be any more space scenes or any of that sort of stuff like that. Because we got all the makeup, uh, we can make this work. It's pretty cheap now, uh, and Roddy McDowell was willing to sign on to it. It was actually a brilliant use of existing sets because it's basically filmed in modern day Los Angeles. Because those yes. are cheap. It's just yeah. location shooting. It's pretty easy. Clear out everybody and just do it. And they did a fantastic job with that. And it's the same location they use uh, for parts of the Nakatomi Plaza. Yeah, yeah. So okay, I'm still going to remain contrarian, but. Yeah, I mean, you, you got me thinking about it. Maybe Die Hard. I, I love it. If you look on lists of greatest Christmas movies, 
Die Hard usually ranks right behind It's a Wonderful Life. Wow, that's high praise. So, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's right there. So most people do, yes, consider it. it it's a somehow film. it's managed to make that leap. Yeah, uh, and I don't know if it's because that it's shown a lot during that time, and they've realized the synergies that provides. Well, and it's I don't also think it's just a fun movie. That. Well, absolutely. It's that I remember when it came out. I because this was right when Bruce Willis was still on the air with Moonlighting. I think. This was Quite one possibly, of his, yeah. When one it of was, his, yeah, when it was initially released. That's right. Yes, and this he, was my, I don't think this was his first major motion picture, but it's dang on close to it. It's pretty close. It, it's and the first lead role. nobody thought, you know, Bruce Willis. Yes, because Blind Date was before this. Okay, yeah, so he, he'd done one, uh, but he, he, was an action, he was not an action star. He was a comedy guy. Yeah. Uh, uh, because that's kind of what he came up with, you know, on Moonlighting. Yeah. Uh, and that was his only real work uh, at that point. And all of a sudden, Die Hard hits, and whoa. It his, was huge. I mean, it, it, it was a huge movie because it was a great movie. And all of a sudden, Bruce Willis is now a bona fide action star. Most yeah. of the roles he got after this that fit that, he would have never done. He would have never done 12 Monkeys. He would have never done Pulp Fiction. Uh, my goodness, so many different... Uh, his career was made by this. I'm sure he's very grateful. 12 Monkeys is a great movie, too. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, if you weren't part of the movie-going, paying adult public when Die Hard was released, you just don't... It, it was a huge thing. It was, it was a, a major phenomenon. It, it was a risk, but see, he was also cheap. And they said, yeah. okay, this guy's he's, he's headlining a TV series. He's got some work. He's got some experience. Let's make this work. But It, uh, it, it was about a, the story. Uh, yeah, it combined a lot of violence... But with a really good story, a, a simple story to follow. Sure, that's correct. But also a lot of the humor that he brought to it. Yep. Yeah, uh, the movie I don't think would have been as successful without Bruce Willis. I think there's a little um, bit... Of, there's a, oh, It could have been, but... It depends on who you got to do it. I suppose, but there's a little bit of David Addison in there, and I kind of like that, <laughs> you know, from, from Moonlighting, yeah. uh, which is another one of... Uh, we could have even do a whole episode on that series because that was very much part of our day mm-hmm, uh, back yeah. in college. Was that was that was in its heyday when that series was just all that. Yes, when Mark Harmon became one of the most hated men in America for sleeping with Maddie Hayes. Mm. That's that's correct. Yes. Well, I mean, I'm I'm sorry. Sybil Shepherd is still one of the most beautiful women on the planet, and I'm not backing off that. Even today. <laughs> uh, but that's that's another story. She is pretty. She is pretty. All right. So that gives us a grand total of seven Christmas movies. In 55 minutes. Or six and a half anyways, depending on what. Yeah, <laughs> depending on how you want to count that one. So I guess we'll have to save some for next Christmas. Well, I know, yes, because we're going to do. We, yeah. we can do something. Christmas music next year. Yeah. We Christmas could, music. we could. Oh, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Whatever. We could we... do, we need to do a Christmas episode on aluminum trees, yes or no. Oh. <laughs> well, I can agree with you on that. I don't know if we can get much mileage out of it, but I think it's a good idea. Wow. You don't think we can argue for almost an hour about aluminum Christmas? Trees? Well, it depends on how many rabbit holes we're allowed to go down. But yeah, it's uh, when have we ever put a limit on rabbit holes? I mean, <laughs> no, never. I mean, that's that's uh, hell. Hoobajoobs are an entire episode of the rabbit hole. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, I'm with it. Francis, what is up for next week, oh, buddy? Yes, well, you know, it's going to be New Year's next week. That's so right. It's dropping it's, on New Year's Day. And it's going to be something completely, you know, new subject, completely and new now subject. now for something completely different. That's right. Now for something, I, I couldn't have said it better. That's right. Uh, it's going to be history next time. In 2021, we have kind of decided uh, amongst ourselves that the whole year will be featuring stuff that celebrates the anniversary of of Pearl Harbor, the United States entry into World, World War II. II. Yeah. So we're going, which will take place next December, a year from now, we're going to talk about, in an extended series, a couple different series actually, of World War II episodes. We've danced around this a lot. Uh, we've done the, we've done Rome, we've done World War One, we've done the Civil War. We figure World War II really deserves its own moments. It's and been something we've been building towards it is because, because our could... grandparents generation fought it yeah so we are within three generations of those who experienced it so the... actually my grandparents my, i have a grandparent who fought in world war one I. I did too yeah. uh, my great uh, his his two brothers did so it's kind of one of those things but our collective memory uh goes back yeah. we knew veterans many yeah. veterans so you know we've we've heard the stories firsthand i had to I had a great uncle that was there the second day of D-Day. We're going to do a D-Day episode in 2021. Yep. But we're going to start next time around 
with one of my favorite subjects. Martin, I think you're going to lead it, though. Yeah. Uh, it's about, the, uh, we're going to call it Wolves Upon Us. It's the Battle of the Atlantic. It's the U-Boat story. Uh, if you want to see a recent movie, Tom Hanks did the movie Greyhound uh, in 2020. Uh, because of the pandemic, it didn't get a lot of play out there, but it's a really good story of how things almost fell apart. Britain almost starved. Uh, the convoy system, they were absolutely dependent upon. And uh, Hitler almost took it out. It was very close. If Hitler had made submarines instead of battleships, mm -hmm. it could have been an entirely different war. That's correct. Uh, unrestricted submarine warfare. Uh, you know, World War One. that's what brought the United States in. But it can't hold a candle to the actual level of, of warfare that took place in World War Two, And we're going to explore that. And dare I say, go deep with that. Ooh, Next nice. episode. Good yeah. ones and I thought you'd like that one, yeah. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week, same snake time, same otter channel. <laughs>